Welcome to Michael Stone's podcast, Awaken the World. This podcast is part of an online community library we're developing, one that contains podcasts, videos, transcripts and booklets based on Michael's talks. The goal of this library and this podcast is to bring mindfulness and mental health into the spotlight. Through this work, we're creating new ways to wake up through socially engaged, conscious, spiritual practice. We're creating a culture of compassion and collaboration. We've left our physical monasteries and we're bringing them online. Before we get to today's podcast, I want to take a moment to ask you to consider becoming a patron of this podcast through Patreon. Pledging is easy and can be as little as $1 per month. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Michaelstone and click on the big orange button on the top right of the page. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Christy. Um, I'm a teacher and a farmer. And um, for the last 10 years or so, I've been, I say about eight years, I've been teaching third grade in Brooklyn, New York, and Manhattan, New York. And then this past year, I recently made a transition from the city to the country. So um, right now I'm teaching fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. Um, So it's been a very interesting ride, but uh, I guess a few months ago, Michael asked me to teach or just to present the work that I've done with students, and um, it kind of, you know, made me reflect more more about my practice, but um, first off, I want to say how I met Michael. I had a little boy in my class who um, talked constantly and moved constantly. And no matter what I did to try to redirect him or quiet him or calm him, it just didn't work. I mean, I tried everything from really cool play and creative games to like timeouts to um, being angry and you know, like, oh. Um, but it didn't work. So the June after he left third grade, I was walking in the woods, and this was before I was meditating myself too, and I realized, like I just stopped, and I realized, I was thinking about this child, and I realized that my mind kind of represented this child's behavior and constant chatter, and it was... So I ran back to the house and I Googled how to teach silence. And uh, I really did, because I realized I I had no idea how to teach this child how to be silent or still. And then it just dawned on me, well, I was kind of him too in an adult body. Um, Very talkative and, you know. Um, So I went back and I Googled how to teach silence. And eventually I came across Michael's silent retreats. And then I kind of remember like this part of my brain, because I know Jen from Brooklyn mentioning this guy, Michael Stone. 
And then the connection was made. And um, Jen was going on a silent retreat. And she was like, you should do it. So eventually, I did it. And then that's how I started to begin to incorporate this idea of mindfulness. Um, and I would say teaching stillness and attention with students. Um, and then I became hooked on Michael's podcasts, particularly, and you'll see I have the resources on the back, particularly the ones that are listed here around um, stabilizing like our minds and our brains in like digital errors. And uh, then the one with the Lojong teachings, um, he, you, Michael, you talk about like training your attitude and training your heart and um, I said, wow, like, I want to do this with my students, you know, and of course myself, but I wanted it. So I started a daily sitting practice, and then, um, of course, the first time in with my students, I tried to just, like, meditate with them, and... Uh, yeah, it was a mess. It was a total nightmare. You know, who was making like fart noises in the back? Who was, you know, making silly faces at each other? Uh, so I said, you know, I need to like really go at this in a very different angle. And I just kind of uh, turned to my resources of let me try to study or just kind of get to know their minds a little bit better. Um, and that was how this one um, handout was created. Um, not so much analyzing their minds, but thinking, just like really getting direct and specific around what behaviors I'm noticing and what reactions I'm noticing, um, when they're reacting. I didn't really care about the why, but I was really curious about how and when and um, then I, you know, just started writing everything down because it's a completely different world when you're sitting with all of these different personalities Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday from around 7.45 to 3 p.m. Um, about 187 days a year, right? In a room that is probably like a fourth of this room, right? So, and it's in the city, so it's all vertical living, right? So it's small and it's tight and they have desks and um, it just becomes a very explosive mix. Or, like, if a teacher pays attention, I could have easily just had them sit in their seats all day, every day, and just driven content and have them do it that way, but that's just not who I am. I was just really fascinated with their minds. So that's kind of how this worksheet was, uh, this was um, created. And you might say, well, Christy, how does this really relate to mindfulness? Um, once I know the children, then what happens is that I could use mindfulness, and I never really used that term with them, but I did use, or I do use the term, it's our job to, um, to remember to come back to who we are as, a, as people and as individuals, and then to remember to think about each other, because again, all day, every day, and then also remember um, our classroom community, and then hopefully it draws into like the environment and then bigger ideas and bigger issues. 
So again, it wasn't necessarily like it's my practice with my with the children is not necessarily a mindful practice, but it's more of an attention and a stillness practice. So again, I cannot take all of these minds and um, just start meditating. I really have to build trust with the kids. And at the end of the day, the only way that I can introduce something that even 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 year olds have this idea about like meditating, you know, because even young like that, meditation seems to be, um, uh, I don't know what the word would be, but it seems to have this idea, they seem to have this idea of what it is. And it's something that they may not want to uh, participate in. I mean, what kid wants to be still and silent anyway, right? So, um, I got a little distracted. I have to think about it. Right, so I have to build trust with the kids, okay? So every year I would plan to say, ultimately, at the end, what I really think that the students would benefit from would be to sit for a sustained amount of time, still and silent. And if that's the end goal, how am I going to get there? And I use play. I use knowledge, because kids are really, really hungry for information. Um, and through, I use a lot of music. Um, and through those thi three things, I would say children kind of feel a sense of belonging within a community. They feel like they matter. They feel, um, and this is just in my experience with, I don't know, the 200 kids that I've seen in my career, they feel um, like their classroom is their, it's like their space for them to be who they want and themselves. Um, so then that leads to, well, how do I go about building this trust, right? And it's all about really trying to build a relationship with them. So it happens through routine and structure. And um, if you switch over to this morning meeting pamphlet, the I would say everything on here, if you could, and I've learned this from like silent retreat, like the importance of um, bringing ritual into every single day, and also certain rituals and certain forms. Um, my experience or my interpretation of why that happens on silent retreat is not necessarily for like the sense of authority where you do these uh, routines or these, the, uh, but you do it to kind of, it helps maintain um, a community to stay together and to stay focused. So uh, then before the kids even arrive, um, I had to think about how am I going to like really maintain this, you know, this container of building relationships with all these different personalities. So I'll just give you a visual. If the kids are coming in at 8.15, I have music playing, right, all the time, right? And it vacillates bending on their energy from like really enthusiastic music to kind of soothing and calming music based on how they walk through the doors, how I shift. Um, and that's their time to like fill their water bottles, unpack, you know, do whatever they have to to do as far as their routine and I'm sitting on the carpet like on my cushion just calm and while they're doing all of their routines it's my job to make sure 
that I touch every single child. And in one of Michael's podcasts, he talks about how to stabilize our mind, and he talks about like these T's, and one of the T's is like time to talk. Um, and not sitting down with the kids and saying, oh, I, wanna, I want time to talk, but, you know, or I want to talk to you about something, but really just giving them time to talk, you know, because they're always not allowed to talk, you know. So I kind of um, fit into the schedule time for them to talk. So the music is playing. They're, you know, they know that when they hear the music, they have to come to the carpet, and it's their time to talk. Okay. Now, if I asked all of us to do that, we would probably sit in a circle and be really calm. Um, you get a bunch of 8, 9, 10, 11-year-olds, particularly the boys, who are kind of my favorite. Um, they're total goofballs and really loud and being, you know, uh, telling jokes and talking sports or music or art. And um, with a few rules of, you know, we have to be calm and safe, that time to talk for the kids, it's like... You know, and I'm not yelling at them. I'm not, you know, redirecting them. I'm just giving them that time to talk. And then I push the button and I stop. And they know that if they want that time to talk, when that music stops, it's they have to practice silence. Okay. So before 8:30, we're practicing the transition of what it's like to talk to what it's like to feel silence, not because they're in trouble, which is how I always associated silence, but to create a association to silence that helps keep us together, right? That is really kind and, you know, it's just part of our energy that we have to practice and shift and when we're working in a group, you know. Um, and they followed it, yeah. It's a little, they have to be on the carpet sitting. Like, that's the rule. But, but they can, yeah, there's a carpet, yeah. Um, but they're speaking, and they have to be, you know, calm with their bodies. But they're talking, and sometimes the volume gets a little loud, but I just loud in the music, and, you know. <laughs> um, but I, I meant to say also, that's also my time to go and make, it's my job before 8.30 to make sure that I kneel down and give eye contact to every single child. Um, if eye contact is culturally their style and their way, and I've had a couple of um, students that that's not in their culture, and that's cool, but it's my time to at least, you know, give them a few minutes, you know, to just say, hey, how you doing today? And that's while the music is playing and while they're talking. And that strategy was also, I feel, one of the T's that I learned from Michael as far as, like, you know, just time to talk and connect. Um, so once that music, like, goes off, we then go into what's called morning meeting. And uh, morning meeting is basically like four parts, which I kind of started introducing the word ritual to my students. And I would say there are four rituals of morning meeting. And the first ritual would be greeting each other every day. Um, there is a share every day. Uh, there's a morning message, which at that point is literally like on a piece of paper here, and it sets the tone for the day, and I write something really cool and creative and fun. Um, and then there are activities. So um, this is a real part of the day, which is kind of my favorite, because 
it gives me the opportunity to set up that 30 minutes with the kids to uh, with my intention at the end of the 30 minutes is to be like man miss miss b is great like she's awesome she totally gets us she's the most fun teacher on the planet you know she could be a little strict but like this is cool this is our room you know so um <laughs> yeah it's really fun so just to like connect it to your own practices you know if you look at like the greeting the share of the morning message and the activities as daily rituals I don't know, if you don't work with children, or if you can't relate to children, maybe that's one way that you could relate to the handout. Um, so, the greeting is, I don't know what it is about children, but and some children are shy and quiet, but I would say by January, every child feels safe enough to express themselves. So, they can't touch each other. But maybe I would direct the greeting as, you know, you can do like an alien greeting with your friend and be like, hello, Jen. And then she would come back and talk to me. And then she would pass it. You could do like an alien greeting. You could do your best yoga pose greeting. You can do like the silliest voice on the planet greeting. You could do another language greeting. And I would give them all of these options to choose from. You know, I, you know and then by January, they're really like outside of themselves. And then um, by April, they're just kind of like, yeah, what's up? Yeah, you know, like they, they turn into like these cool, too cool for schools. So the greeting is a really great part of the day. Um, and then right after the greeting, I'm going to skip the share for now. But um, the morning messages are all uh, based on themes. I do uh, mix it up Monday. I do a tune in Tuesday. I do a whoopsie Wednesday. Um, and then a thank you note Thursday. And then a fit funk Friday. So uh, you can read the morning message, like sample morning messages on your own time. But there's, every student has a job. So the announcer job would be to read these morning messages. And it would set the theme. And it's kind of also like an informal way to me uh, to assess the students, you know, in reading and, you know, just their influx and their tone. And are they skipping words? Or are they making up? You know, so it's a, it's a, it's mostly an informal assessment. But I also really try to get deep and intimate here with these morning with these morning messages. For example, Mix It Up Monday is around this idea that all social cliques are created um, during uh, lunch and recess. So every Monday, it's our job to really mix it up to sit next to new people. Um, and we do conversation starters and stuff like that. And every time we meet on the carpet, you know, we want kids to just really mix it up. Uh, and then Tuesday is Tune In Tuesday. Um, I often use, you know, music and it's not so easy to find music where they're not where artists aren't swearing. <laughs> Um, it's really hard, you know. So uh, it got to a, I use Michael Franti and it, but inspired by Jen, yeah. Um, but it got to a point where 
the kids just started making up their own songs that had to do with building our community together or like environmental issues or um, it even got to a point which I'll share later where they were like sharing guided meditations which was kind of cool. Um, so that would be that. And then uh, Whoopsie Wednesday is my all time favorite. And again, in some way it was inspired through Mike, one of Michael's um, podcasts. Um, but I'm a teacher that makes 18,462 billion mistakes every single day. And uh, hanging out with eight, nine, 10, and 11 year olds, I feel um, they put me right in the moment because if I mispronounce a word or if I use incorrect grammar or if I say something that I don't really mean, they will immediately and impulsively be like, what? <laughs> or, or, huh? And, or they would say, that's not right. And I'm the kind of teacher where I say, like, you need to come in really close right now because I just want to thank you because you're listening so well. Whereas most teachers will be like, don't correct me. And I'm, you know, like, I just, I just love that about hanging with kids. Um, and with that, if I say anything that you're like, huh, just feel free to, you know, <laughs> feel free to just say it because I misspeak all the time because my mind is moving a lot faster than the ability to have it to come out of my mouth. So Whoopsie Wednesday was created just randomly um, because I said something and I think I may have been really dehydrated that day. So I was like, uh-uh. You know, I was like fighting with the kid, like, you know, stop correcting me. I've had enough, you know. Um, and they were just like, whoops. And I was like, wait, it's Whoopsie Wednesday. So it like morphed into like, and they don't forget anything. So like during the day, they would say, oh, it's okay. It's Whoopsie Wednesday. Or, you know, it just kind of builds this, like, really, they're so sweet, like, this real sweetness around it. But what would happen is we would read the morning message, and I would direct it to something, you know, I just have our class rules here, but I would direct it to something where we could have kind of a confession circle. Um, and again, I, I learned this from, like, uh, Michael's podcasts, but I would always model just so they have an idea of where to go, and I might say, you know, um, and this is where I would incorporate some of those routines and some of the rituals. Like, we might all start with a bow, and you just go with it. Like, at first, they're total goofballs, like, Ugh. but I just ignore that, because they're supposed to be. Um, that's just their natural energies, and... Um, then we would go around and we would not respond, we would not disagree, we would not show a me too sign, so there's no connection. But it would just be like, you know, yesterday I used a really unkind tone with my husband. And then we would just bow. And then they would go all around and it would be anywhere, their confessions go anywhere from like they stole their brother's food um, to, you know, I went into my sister's room and I ripped up all of her homework. To, yeah, I mean, some of it was like, you know. Uh, you know, I was so angry at recess that during math class I took my pencil and I poked somebody in the leg, you know. And we would just, like, take it in and just bow and move on. And the kids would always look at me to see how I was going to react. They'd be like... And I would just stay cool, you know, and just kind of model. We do. So we're always sitting in a circle. Yeah, we were sitting in a circle. 
and I model and I try to model from like being unkind to my husband to um, using unkind words or you know real stuff that I do that I don't necessarily like about myself but I want to share it and I don't want anybody to respond but <laughs> so I just yeah I mean I want them to see that I'm a human being you know and uh, that I make mistakes all the time and you know, life is hard, and it's tough. So, yeah, so it's a really beautiful, and I just, you know, it made me think, like, you know, confessions don't ever happen. Um, so it was a really, I would say that was my favorite day, because it was, it was a really beautiful, uh, it's a really beautiful thing with kids. And the key is not to respond. You don't bring it up later, you don't, you just say it, you bu- and you let it go. And so, and then Thursday was uh, always thank you note Thursday, and uh, you know it's just our time to be thankful for either. And the kids are so fun and creative. It, it doesn't always have to be a person, but one kid I'll never forget wrote a thank you note on a chocolate chip cookie about a chocolate chip cookie and how he was so thankful for the chocolate chip that melted in his mouth and how he just always like praised the yum yum of a chocolate chip cookie. So, you know, it starts off like that. And, you know, most teachers would say, oh, that's stupid. Why are you going to thank a chocolate chip cookie? You know, and it's kind of true. Like most teachers will kind of mean that way, you know. Um, but me, I was like, whoa, you know, that's fantastic. You know, what else could you thank? And he's like, oh, sushi, it feeds me every day. You know, the chair is like stabilizing. And then it eventually gets to um, other bigger ideas of like members in our community. And then they go on their lunch break and they hand out notes. And so, again, it's a when you let the kids be them, you know, they like high five you at the end and that's kind of what I wanted because I'm the teacher that wants to see every, I want to go really deep with the kids and I want to see who they are you know a lot of teachers might not um, or I should say and you know maybe there was a time I would say like eight you know earlier on in my career where you know seeing true kids it's scary because how am I going to manage all of them but um, you know so my goal is to really like you know, try to pull out the kid, like their personalities and, you know, their mishaps and their darkness and their shadows and their joys and their silliness. And then Fit Funk Friday was to just, uh, it was just a daily ritual for uh, the kids to just respect the natural energies of the kids. So I would play music all day and every day, but randomly. So if they were sitting down, you know, reading or writing or doing math, I would just like turn my phone on and be, you know, and then a music music would come on and they would dance and stuff. So again, you might be saying to yourself, well, Christy, what does this have to do with mindful practice? And I, it has everything to do with it because I'm establishing trust with the kids um, and I'm building relationships with the children. And not only that, it's a guiding practice for me to then create like rules that they have to follow because that's life, right? Um, uh, what did you say? I, 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 when you're saying, I'm just thinking you're cultivating the conditions for. Yeah, right? So um, I set them up for success, but I also kind of set them up to fail. So, meaning like through a lot of these games, and we can play some if there's time, um, they are 
in a situation where there's a lot of conflict, you know. So, uh, you know, they have to share, they have to work together, they have to clean up together because I'm approach teaching as a facilitator. So I'm not cleaning up after them, I'm not carrying their backpacks, I'm not picking, you know, so they have to do it all. It's their classroom for an entire year and it's their job to keep the community together. And I learned that also on like silent retreat. When we're on retreat, we have jobs, you know, we all have to do everything that we can to respect the space and maintain the space. And then it's great to come together and sit still and silent. And it's just a miracle that you walk away, that I walk away feeling this sense of community. And I didn't even say a word to them, you know, to people. So I kind of incorporated that stuff with kids at respecting their natural energies. It's their space, they have to do it all, but I have to give them guidelines and set them up for that. Um, and use play to guide them into, like, yeah, you have to clean the floor. You know, um, never a threat, like if you wanna play the game, but it becomes natural that kids know they're gonna get to play if, if we keep the space you know, clean and clear. So, um, yeah, so it relates to mindfulness in that way by building, you know, the trust and the experiences. Then the, um, I always like to do an activity and I spend a big part of that morning meeting based on activities because if you get 20 kids together, uh, there's no choice. They all have to play. Um, it's it's a problem, you know, you know, they kind of have to get along, they all have to agree, you know, they have to work out a lot of different things. And these certain activities, um, I mean, you know, I guess I can just, you know, we can play some of them a little bit. But these activities are meant to kind of amp the kids up. <laughs> like, you know, because I want to see how they, how they play, you know, how a child plays is huge information. You know, how I don't play is huge information for who my, you know, for what my personality is, you know. So to really understand how they play and, you know, uh, is, is great information. And it's really important to remember that Families most day, I feel like families today are little communities. I mean, my family was a community of five. Um, I think, at least the students, like most fam maybe the kids had one or two siblings, so maybe their family was a community of five. Rarely six or seven these days, but I feel with the students that I interacted with, but you know, they're blended families, they're interracial families, they're, you know, they're really diverse families. They're going from that family dynamic of three, four, five, six to now a family dynamic of 20. So when teachers put this expectation on kids having to read silently, having to write silently, having to do math silently, um, in now a community of 20, it is a completely different ballgame than what it is when it's home in a community of four and, like four and five. And what's happening because of that, and maybe some, um, is kids are getting diagnosed as ADD. Kids are getting diagnosed with all of these different learning challenges. And I'm not saying that those aren't there, but if, as an educator who chose to be aware and mindful of the kids, um, it, it's always helped me have a little bit more empathy for the kid that was distracted. Well, God, I mean, you're sitting with 20 other kids. Like, you know, it's just, it's just a really important thing to remember. You have nine, 10-year-olds in these big communities. 
being asked a lot. Um, so th that's just a side note. But so I would use these activities as uh, a time to play, a time to work together, a time for fun, uh, a time to build resilience, a time to focus. I mean, there's you have to focus on each other and you have to be attentive to what's going on in these games. Um, and then again, it would really amp the kids up. And then I would use some of these attention practices or the mindfulness exercises to kind of bring the kids down. Um, and by January, these attention practices, um, the kids are open to it. Now, I skipped over the share, but I'm going to go back to that right now. Uh, so the share is always something that I would model for the kids. Um, but kids want to talk and they want to share about their lives. But I would always model on what it should look like and, you know, how it could work best when it's one person speaking in a group of, you know, 20 kids. Um, it was also an opportunity for me to incorporate some other really cool things like the peace mantra and the earth mantra. And it's amazing how well kids speak in other languages. It's, you know, I cannot do that because I feel like my muscles are only developed for English. Um, I tried to learn Spanish a couple years ago and I had to completely abandon it because it was just too, my muscles in my mouth just didn't work that way. But, um, so every day we would either do, and this would all be kid-led, it would, uh, you know, at first you'd take volunteers, like who would like to lead the peace mantra and who would like to lead the, lead the earth mantra. And, um, I learned it all from Jen because Jen taught me how to chant and we would have our little chanting sessions. And it was really uncomfortable for me. And then I realized, well, if you're exposed to this kind of stuff early on, you know, like with kids, then these beautiful, really intimate rituals become easy or more comfortable or more settling. Yes? I never mentioned those words. I never mentioned religion. I never mentioned. Um, um, I mentioned chanting or mantra. I never mentioned, you know, Sanskrit. You know, so no, I never, <laughs> I never had a problem with it. And what did happen is the kids then brought um, their daily rituals into the class. Like I had many students who. Um, who studied Hebrew, so they would want to lead like a Hebrew prayer, and that, that was their words, not me, you know, because, you know, I was raised Catholic, so I don't, never prayed, or you know. Um, so they would, you know, they would see that this cool stuff would be coming in, and then they would make a connection. Oh, it's kind of like a prayer that I do with my mom, you know, and I'd say, share it. So it just opened up this space of like this multi- I don't know, faith, I guess, without calling it that. Um, and then, uh, so that was a really beautiful thing. And again, it's, it's trying to incorporate these daily rituals or these little rituals into our daily lives. And kids dig it, you know. Uh, they like to light incense, you know. They like to, like, you know, light a match so that they could. So um, they like to press the play button. Um, so a really great song that they love is by Tina Turner. I don't know if, if you all know that, that song on, um, uh, she does this, she has this whole album on all the, her Buddhist music and it's really, really beautiful. And the one chant, the peace mantra is, 
directly from, I mean, I'm sure it stems from something else, but my connection to it was with the music, uh, with Tina Turnish. Her video is really beautiful and fantastic, and it's all around kids participating in this beautiful ritual, so you might want to check that out, because it's just cool. Um, so then what happened is I have to, can I tell you a little story, because it's kind of funny. So you'll see on this page, it's like storytelling. So I think it was not, when did Caitlin get married? Two Memorial Days ago? Two Memorial... One of Michael's, was it last year? Well, um, okay, so I'm going to tell the story. It's a little random. It's a little out there, but it's all connected. So what? it was Memorial Day last year, okay? And I was up on the farm. I had some girlfriends up, and we were doing, um, and they were asking me about the meditation and stuff like that. And, you know, I mentioned this guy, Michael Stone, and he has a really cool app, you know, so we would do it. You know, we would do the app together, okay? And that kind of went on for the whole Memorial Day weekend. You know, it was me and these four, you know, four girlfriends. And we were coming home on Memorial Day, and we were taking the train, and it was Monday, so I was listening to Michael's, like, new podcast. <laughs> And I had him in my ear over here, and uh, I was with all my girlfriends, and we were just walking, and I'm in Penn Station, and all of a sudden, like, Michael, and I don't even know him, I think I only did, like, one silent retreat, like, before that, Michael, like, this guy in a white t-shirt and a backpack, like, just kind of looking, walks right past me. <laughs> now, in the middle, I don't even know if you remember that, but in the middle of Penn Station, it's Memorial Day weekend, it's packed. <laughs> And I'm listening to him in my ears. Yeah. And I said, and I instinctively, if I thought about it, I probably just would have let him go. But I think, like, just instinctively or impulsively, I was just like, Michael. So we talked a little bit, whatever. And I have all my friends over here. I didn't even think to, like, introduce them. Or it was just, like, right here. Um, so I went back to my friends. And... They were like, oh my God, we were like totally listening to, the, to him all weekend. I was like, oh, I even have him in my ear right now. <laughs> so, so, so then I realized that, and just excuse me, but I kind of like peed my pants a little bit. <laughs> Like, I was like so out of my body, like, which is something I'm really trying hard to like practice. But I was so out of my body and out of my mind that like I literally straight up peed my pants. So just a little. And and then like my friends just kind of patted me on the back and they were like, it's okay, you know. So then I went back to work on Tuesday and it was share time. I was like, oh, pfft. I gotta share the story with my students, right? So I shared this story, I made them laugh, and, and you know, I have to give them a time limit. I'm like, I'm gonna tell you a part that you might find really, really funny, but you only have two minutes, right? You only have two minutes to laugh and be beside yourself, and then before I would do that, I would let them, like, I would, to set them up for success, I'd practice. I'd be like, all right, just pretend I told you the most hysterical thing on the planet right now, you have two minutes to be your best silly. And then I would time them, right? And then not until they were all able to contain themselves in that two minutes did I actually share the story. But I told them, and I said, and, you know, and I called it, like, I was like, you guys have a teacher just like me. I was like, well, I kind of have a teacher, too. You know, and I'd, talk, I'd often talk about Jen, and, and I'd say, you know, and I'd put, like, Michael's, and I think I emailed Nicole. I was like, Nicole, is it okay if I, like, post Michael's picture in the classroom? <laughs> yeah. And she was like, fine. So, like, we have this... <laughs> So I did this like whole PowerPoint on like Michael's face, right? So I, so I put it on the smart board and I was like, you know, 
this guy, like, I learn a lot from him, and he's like a teacher that I really respect, and, you know, it's just, and the kids, you know, they're just like, and then I told them the story about, and, and I finished it with, and guess what? And they're like, what? I was like, no, I, we cannot tell anybody. You need to come in, like, really close right now. And they were like, well, I was like, no, seriously. I was like, when I saw him, I peed my pants. <laughs> And they were like, what? <laughs> That's the grossest thing ever, Miss Burnett. What are you doing? You know? <laughs> yeah. So it turned into this really magical thing of, um, well, what does he teach you? And I was like, I'll tell you later. And they were like, no, tell me now. I was like, nah. And they were like, come on. Um, so I was able to then like really bring it in and every day we like for the whole month of June we did his five we did your five minute like um, guided meditation with the kids and it took us to June and it took a story for, and I've tried everything in between and all uh, you know every way and those kind of meditations or stillness practices only lasted like a minute. But until I told them like this story and just kind of like humanized my being and myself, they sat down, you know, for five minutes with Michael's voice like right in the middle because it was like a teacher that I kind of respected. Um, and I had videos, I sent it to their families um, because again, it's about stillness and that particular meditation is about sound. Um, so it was really magical. And then what happened after that is I would use reading and writing um, for them to write their own guided meditations. And they were like, well, Michael said to breathe through the nose. <laughs> and I said, okay, but if you were writing your own meditation for us to go through, how could you say that differently so that you're not plagiarizing? And they're like, well, I could say that I'm breathing inside and outside, and I'm like, we'll put it down. So I would use, you know, I would use reading and writing, and I would use like the podcast as like an audio reading, you know, for them to develop their own guided meditations. Now, again, my hope is that if they remember like third grade as a place where they were introduced to like some stillness and some daily rituals, great. I mean, I don't know how much of an impact it had on them. Um, but again, so then you'll see here, like, I have these fourth graders and third graders, like, even now, that's what I do. I'm, I'm working with, um, you know, I would say struggling readers, and they're writing their own guided meditations, and then they're using, um, using Audio Boom, I don't know if anyone knows Audio Boom, for them to record uh, their re guided meditations, and then I use that as an assessment on fluency and comprehension and all that stuff. So uh, it's a really, you know, cool thing. Um, so that's kind of how it all starts. Um, I mean, I don't know if anybody has any questions or if you want to hear some of the activities. Yeah, please, no. Uh, so after, when the morning meeting starts, this whole process is 30 minutes? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because the greeting with 20 kids, you know, I would say as we get into the routine, I'd be like, all right, let's see if we could do our best greeting in 60 seconds. 
so we would, you know, go around. And then we would, like, create a chart and a graph to, like, mark our time for 60 seconds. You know, so you, you got to do it all in plays, you know. The majority of our time was on the morning message, the share, and the activities. Um, and I could easily, you know, chunk that down. And it, it's, yeah, into, like, three, five minutes, three minutes or whatever kind of stations. So, yeah, it was all 30 minutes. Around the what? The conditions? Yeah. Um, have you ever or, um, dealt with like, a child sharing something where there may be like, a breach of like, safety? It was inappropriate? Or, yeah, absolutely. I had um, a child share that they wanted to kill a certain group of people. Um, and I confess, you know, that we just shared the confession. I brought their families in and said, you know, third grade, uh, their third graders are like parrots. They often uh, repeat what they, you know, what they hear. Um, third grade is also the time where they go from learning how to read to reading to learn. So who knows what this child read on the news, heard on the news, or and while I expressed some really strong concern about the choice of language, um, I made it a point that developmentally the children can be, you know, at this age, the children, this child might just be exploring with language. Um, so yes, I I made it. Um, a real issue with the family and I asked them please don't share but let's both keep an eye on it and if anything happens moving forward it is then our job to to come but I you know and they were fine with that um, I don't I I tend not to react to children in that way because for the most part they're hearing a lot of things but it never came up again um, there are other behaviors that this child demonstrated that were a little violent and aggressive, and that was my job to pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, sure, um, absolutely. And did you I kind of left it, but what happened was um, something always comes up as a com as a classroom community that we have to address. You know, how does that make you feel? Or we have conversations about the impact others have on us. Um, and I always reinforce that it's a safe environment, and if anyone needs to speak with me. So I do believe probably later on that in that day, I intentionally made our closing circle be um, a check-in, and a check-in around, is there anything that happened today that you're feeling some discomfort or, um, you know, this feeling of unpleasant, you know? Like, is there anything that you're feeling that's unpleasant inside of you? And do we want to open up a container? And um, if a child would have said something about a confession, I would have definitely mentioned it. But, um, you know, being super mindful on how the community affects us was a daily part of our conversations as well. And I can add more to that when I get into the other handouts around, um, like, the problem solving, both independently and collaboratively, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't have kids, but if I did, this is like a classroom that I would want them to be at. 
Um, but you said, so you said that you now are living in the country. Yeah. So are you still teaching at a new school? I'm teaching at a, at a local public school, um, and I'm doing these eight-week stations around, yeah, um, working with um, ELA students and math students from, I have like two first graders, uh, three third graders, two fourth graders, and two sixth graders. And this, the uh, daily meditation in here was actually from a current fourth grader. So now I kind of just get right in there with some of these rituals and activities because it's more one-on-one -on -one rather than a classroom community of 20. Um, so yeah. yeah. You're brilliant. <laughs> well, I have to be honest with you, I'm not really, it's them. But it's but it's true. To like be, don't to be able to bring this to children is brilliant. And second of all, but they bring I it to us. Must have had to go through the boards, the beasts, to be able to bring that to the classroom. You know, um, um, and you must yeah. have had a journey yourself to get there. Well, definitely. And then I just keep the door shut. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you don't. You know, yeah. if people peek and they're interested, great. I'll share, but mostly I just keep the door shut, um, and I don't. I'm not here to change the world, just to help the little kids. You know, so. Um, but yes, my journey has been a part of that because uh, I failed school my entire life. Um, I was a terrible reader, terrible writer. I was diagnosed with 80 different disabilities, ADD, AD, you know. Um, and it's really terrible, you know, that, that it just steals all of your creative energy and it steals um, these diagnoses just steal, you know, they just, you know, some of it is fine and some of it is like I'm definitely ADD, you know. Um, but, you know, we, it, they have to be told as, you know, in kind ways, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. What kind of school did you work at in New York? I worked at an independent private school, so um, that is a, I was supported there too because I built relationships with the people in my community, like, it was, you know, so I feel, and I'm very fortunate for that school that I worked at worked you know worked at because I felt like they took the time to really try to see me a little bit um, but even now that I'm in a pri in a public school I spoke to the principal before I accepted these jobs and I said okay I understand that I have to get here with the common core um, do I have to go that way or do I just have to get there and she's like you just need to get there I was like, great, that's all I needed to hear, right? So if, you know, I could get to the end results of the Common Core and I can get the kids there, and I didn't ask too many questions, like less is more. Like I didn't say, can I do meditation, can I do this, can I do that? I just said, um, can I get there anyway as long as the kids get, and she said, yeah, I was like, perfect. So. Um, and then the classroom, were there desks? You were speaking about this carpet. How's the duration? Yeah, it's cluttered, but we just get rid of all that stuff and just put it to the side. You put the desks all to the side. Yeah. The carpet, did you bring that in? No, the carpet was there, um, but you just got classroom space and classroom organization is huge. These yeah. kids are like, bing, bing, bing. I'm not going to be putting desks like everywhere. So we just push them to the side. I encourage them mostly to never sit in the desks other than when they had to take their state tests. Um, but mostly to be on the floor, you know, like, I brought in like 20 yoga blocks. 
Yeah, um, and they all sign their yoga blocks. I have like 10 years of like signed yoga blocks. Uh, so yeah, I always encourage them to be on the floor. I, I have to tell you, I got the most pushback from parents about that. Dirty uniforms, the dust, the allergies. And I just said, okay. But they still sat on the floor. You know? Um, and then the week before the state tests, we would build our stamina to sit in chairs. <laughs> I'm not being recorded. So, so, so less is more, you know? I mean, and then what was really, what's really cool is that, um, like, little kids talk, and then they start sharing, um, um, you know, what's happening in their classroom, and then, you know, I call it the chicken eye, but then I have, like, other students just kind of, like, staring at me and walking away, <laughs> and, like, looking at me from the corner of the eye, um, because they're like, oh, who's that? You know, like, what is, what's going on in room 713, you know? Because people start talking to each other and all that stuff. So um, I would say the only uh, downside of all of it, which I'm not comfortable with, is um, it did divide me a little bit within the community. And, um, you know, because then I, everyone wanted to be in my class. You know, and they couldn't. You know, so I wasn't exactly sure how to manage that. Um, and then I just said, "Ah, eh, my administrators have to deal with that." You know, so I just let it go. But I, that was a little um, uncomfortable for me because I was creating kind of a community of envy a little. You know. Um, Families wanted to be in my classroom, and kids wanted to be in my classroom, and um, I didn't. I didn't know how to really deal with that. That's when you're awesome. I know, but <laughs> yeah, but it's you know, it's something to be you know, it's like yeah, and I and I didn't. I was uncomfortable with that, so. Because um, I felt like my practices was was it was community based, and and while it was um, incorporating community of compassion and kindness, it was also a community of envy, you know. And I, I didn't know how to work with that kind of unpleasantness, other than to just be with it, and then I would just let it go and be like, it's my administrator's jobs. So. Uh, I prefer to hang out with nine-year-olds. <laughs> They're way more fun. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, um, I have all those other handouts, but I'm hoping that I can maybe present again at another time. Um, I don't know if you want me to continue. We can do some extras. That'd be great. Do you wanna? Do you wanna like? Can we be kids? Sure. Can you show us. <laughs> yeah. Sure. 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 So, um, I'm just gonna share one thing that I do with kids. 
Thank you for listening to Michael Stone's podcast, Awaken the World. If you like this podcast, you can support it by subscribing on iTunes or SoundCloud. Please take a moment to rate us and leave a comment. Your feedback helps to distinguish us from the pack. You can also support us by word of mouth. Tell a friend or send a tweet. Finally, please consider becoming a patron of this podcast through Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Michael Stone. Even a couple of dollars a month will help us reach our goals. To learn about Michael's retreats and his online courses, go to michaelstoneteaching.com. Once again, that's michaelstoneteaching.com. With your support, we'll continue to build a community library about mindfulness and mental health that can be shared with the world. Thank you for supporting this community without walls.